The world according to J-Caps is underwritten by a grant from Big Fentanyl. Fentanyl, America's favorite drug. Now in lemon, Yemen, melon, yellow, lemon, COVID, orange, and synonym. Click the microphone and use coupon code TWATJCAPS for 20% off your first order of fentanyl. And now, back to the show! Welcome back, everybody. This is J-Caps. This is the world according to J-Caps. And this is the jazz intro back again. Um, so glad to be with you here on this Monday morning. I think I'm going to put the episode out tomorrow just to keep the schedule going. You know, sometimes in life you have to just stick to a schedule. If you don't have your schedule, then everything else falls apart. So... Even if you're like me, who barely has enough work to uh, keep himself afloat in his apartment, you still have to get up early and try to put as much as you can into the day. And uh, some people would say, some people would say that uh, trying, trying hard to keep yourself afloat is, uh, is a pussy move. And you should just say fuck it all to everything and... Um, and not even try at all. But you know what? I'm just not wired that way. So we're going to fade this thing out. And we are going to see what happens in the next hour and change. Cool. So at the top of the show, I like to really bring the energy level down and um, wallow in my own depression and self-doubt. So I'm glad that you showed up. Uh, but honestly, I don't feel as depressed as I usually um, have to be told that I am by uh, sometimes random people who write into the show and say, hey, what the fuck is going on with you? Are you okay? Actually, haven't had that, haven't had that happen because I feel like the li listenership has dropped off a bit. And also, I haven't been feeling as despondent about the world. You know, the world is going on. It's going on with or without us. Uh, you know, I think the thing about uh, the COVID, if you've heard about COVID, I know I talk about it a lot. I think a lot of people have been talking about COVID often. But one of the things about it is, depending on where you are, how you are, who you are, and I think those are the three really, uh, it's who, who, how, who, what, when, when you are, when you are, uh, why you are, how you are. I did that one already. Depending on those, uh, that combination of um, of descriptor descriptor questions uh, of a uh, of like um, is will will decide uh, how you're going to be about COVID. So like some people uh, are are super scared of COVID, and then some people are like fucking who cares? And wherever you are on the spectrum, I think will define how you're going to be about about things. So for me, I have tended toward being a little bit on the uh, not wanting to do anything um, socially or anything like that in the COVID times, which has made me a little bit more insane. But now, I don't know, maybe, maybe things are normal. Maybe things are, maybe COVID's over. You never know. I'll tell you, I, uh, I teach... Uh, you know, occasionally teach. I think that uh, working part time is also like working occasionally. They should change part time to 
occasional work. Anyway, I occasionally teach art to kids. Um, and it turned out every single one of my students has had COVID. Every single one of my students and their families have had COVID. Um, some multiple times. And I'm just like, shit, dude, uh, that's, that's cool. Maybe that maybe maybe that's a real liberating thing. Maybe all I got to do is get COVID and then the anxiety of having COVID will be past me. I think it's a lot like the way uh you know I I I would assume uh teenagers are about having sex. A lot of times having sex is a huge stress for people. They're like, you know, especially when they're young and they they um they don't know what lies beyond the the um barrier of having had sex and having had no sex so i always feel like it's um it's a a, 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 a always a story of like a young person's journey to losing their virginity in some sort of uh nostalgic you know reminiscence so you know maybe that's like and it's like, yeah, so then they have sex and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Or they're like, oh, that's the best feeling I could ever have. Let me um, base my life on pursuing that. Or they're just like, oh, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And um, OK, maybe that's or whatever. But I think that there's a little bit of that in the way I don't have COVID. And not that I don't want to get COVID, but I do want to get past this feeling of um, not wanting to do anything because of COVID. Does that make sense, everybody? Does it have to make sense? I mean, does a podcast have to uh, be anything more than just the moment that it's recorded in? Some people listen to podcasts to learn stuff. I definitely don't. I definitely don't want to learn anything from a podcast. I feel like, um, I don't know, I'll learn something from uh, a bunch of people not also trying to entertain. If I'm trying to be taught something, then I'll just go straight to the source and have the uh, education uh, abuse me. And then I will learn by the stress of not understanding and feeling stupid until I get it. But um, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that um, pop education is my genre. It's just not my genre. Some people, that's the wonderful thing about uh, the world. The world can just be whatever it wants to be, and you can plug in wherever there is a free outlet, and then you can uh, be charged up by that outlet. And there's zillions and trillions of outlets. Um, a lot of them are the same outlet. Uh, the world uh, tends to cull all of the similar outlets into one thing, and then the the other outlets that maybe are more difficult to plug into are very hard to find. And sometimes the only way to find them is to be living uh, in a different way that lead you to different, um, just different pathways. And then on those pathways, you find outlets that were not on the beginning outlet. It's a lot like it's a lot like that. Uh, that poem by that I mentioned on one of the episodes might have been a Patreon episode, but the poem about um, how uh, Robert Frost he don't like to walk in a normal 
uh, stretch of woods. He likes to walk in the tick-infested, high grass-grown woods. And that's how that's what made all the difference because that's that means that he walked in a tick-infested woods, got Lyme disease, went crazy, and then blew his brains out. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Robert Frost. Uh, shout out, he was one of the real ones. But actually, that's why, actually, we just rest in peace, Robert Frost, but also, I just want to actually get a real, uh, on the real, y'all. I want to shout out somebody who actually also died recently, who I did know, and who was really awesome, and I'm actually super sad at the, at this death, and this is a real person, so... Also, Robert Frost did also die. Whether or not he blew his head off from Lyme disease, that's, um, I don't know if he did that. But I know Kurt Billing, who also died from mental illness related to Lyme disease, also did kill himself. And he's from Long Island, and he is, he's not the one I'm talking about who died, but I'm bringing him up because that's who I, that's the, that's the person who I also um, think of when I think of a guy who went crazy and and killed himself because of mental illnesses related to Lyme disease, uh, Kurt Billing, who founded uh, the Tuckahoe Park in Riverhead, Long Island, which is also a tick-infested park, and I recommend not going there. But that's just because all of Long Island is, all of Suffolk County, Long Island is heavily tick-infested, and um, I've had my run-ins with ticks there many times. But anyway, I was about to eulogize a, a great person who actually passed away, not from ticks that I know of, but I wanted to eulogize um, Vince Fontaine from Winnipeg, from, the, from Winnipeg, Canada, who was in the band um, Indian City. So... So I used to uh, tour on the Fringe Festivals, on the Fringe Festival circuit, um, during, like actually now years ago. The last time I toured was 2017, but I toured uh, in, the, in the, the 2010s, 11s, 12s, around that time. And uh, let me tell you, if you want that, to, that shit was some of the best times of life. So just so for people who don't know... Um, most of the times, as a creative person, there's no way of ever um, making any money from any of the things you do. You sort of have to be deluded and hopeful, perpetually hopeful, but also somewhat deluded to think that uh, there is uh, good coming for you. You have to really love, you have to really love in a one-sided love of a pursuit and the the joys that come out of it to stick with a thing. Um, but sometimes there are, let's say, you know, like in Mario Brothers, when you find a, a little uh, pipe to like crouch down in and then the, the pipe sucks you in and you can go through a portal and go to another level. Well, sometimes there are little pipes like that in life. Um, and, and one of the pipes that I discovered, I was lucky to discover, was uh, the Canadian Fringe Festival circuit. Uh, I got to tour on the Fringe Festival circuit. Uh, and what it is, is you, you have, if, you're, if you have a show, if you have a, 
uh, a play, a small play that you could produce and do yourself or with another person that doesn't cost a lot to do, then you can um, apply to these festivals as an international uh, touring artist. And if you get in, then you get to perform like eight shows or, te- or nine shows or seven shows, depending on the festival. Um, and you get 100% of the box office. The only thing is you have to do your own promotion. Like you have to make your own posters and you have to go out and like flyer. But in, uh, in Western Canada, like from Winnipeg, Edmonton, uh, Saskatoon, all these uh, cities that are out in the West, uh, people love going to these shows and they're actually a huge well there was i don't know about now because i don't think the fringe festival happened the last two years but there they had to have like the entire city who'd come out and check out the touring artists and also check out their own support their own local artists from what i understand um canada it's sometimes it can tend toward being on the slight bit cold during the winters so they really come out. They really like enjoy their summer times. And like the fest, the fringe festivals was like one of these super unique um, phenomenons. In my, from what I have experienced, totally unique. Anyway, um, I only bring this up because when I traveled to the city of Winnipeg, um, I met some great people there. I met uh, this guy named. Uh, Jerry Atwell, who was a musician in Winnipeg, he was like a sort of like a, a local legend. He was in, he founded tons of bands, and he was uh, just a very gracious person. He knew um, Kevin McDonald from the Kids in the Hall. He was like connected to media in general, and he was like a really gracious person. And uh, uh, I, we, you know, I became friends with him. And he he was the keyboardist in this band Indian City with this guy Vince um, uh, Vince Fontaine, uh, who was also uh, like a super gracious guy. And I had never like so um, I knew these guys from from Winnipeg, and they they had uh, their band came to play New York City in 2014 to do a a showcase. A concert at the Museum of the American Indian. Like, uh, uh, Indian City was a native band who played a lot in, like, um, like they played like, like in the ter- in Northern Territories. They played. They really were like a band that was popular for um, native music, and uh, I think they actually even won like Juno awards, awards or something like that. They won like the equivalent of the Grammys in. Um, in Canada for like uh, their genre of music. But anyway, uh, Vince was so fucking awesome. Like he was not, uh, he was like always like, I don't know, you meet people, you meet creative people and sometimes creative people uh, have like an expectation. Like they're, I think that when you, like I was saying about the, um, the long and uh, disappointing uh, path of creativity where, you know, you often don't get a return on the investment. 
And so you have to continue believing that something good will happen, or you have to really be invested in what you get from the creative process that uh, it doesn't matter if something good or bad happens because you are comforted by the ladder that you're climbing. So a couple things can happen to an artist in that uh, in that system of, of thought or system of living, which is, you know, you get people who are bitter after a while because they feel like their time has never come and they are like, uh, they're like mad at the world. Or, you know, I mean, that or, or you find people who are um, settled in their heart and, you know, are like welcoming of every new thing and also like keep that hope, the, 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 like the, the little flame of hope alive in their heart and bring it to every moment. And Vince and Jerry uh, were like this. These guys were like people who were always like, um, oh, let's start, let's start a new project. Let's, let's do something together. Um, in 2019, uh, Jerry Atwell died. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly why. He was like not even that old. He was like in his mid-60s, and uh, he died suddenly. And um, it was very sad because... Uh, you know, we, you know, it's like I live in New York, so it's not, it's not like I get to go to, um, Winnipeg. It's like, I can't just drive to Winnipeg to see the people I know there. Uh, the sad thing about having friends that are scattered across the world is that, you know, you know them for like this, for like the little period of time that you're in where, where they live. And then, you know, you don't go back for a long time. So you do not, you're not like friends with them in the sense that like you can, um, you know, share the time. But in any case, uh, then COVID happened. And yeah, obviously don't travel there often. And then just like a few days ago, um, Vince died. And I found out about it on Facebook. And I thought people were just eulogizing uh, Jerry again because some of the pictures had both of them in it and then I was like shit this guy died I, ne- I never got to say bye and I never like and the last times we talk like I feel like uh, we're just you know when I don't know if you guys have this but like um, for creative people like me like fucking needy needy people um, I just probably had made a video and sent it to him hoping just to to get another view on something that I made. And that was the last correspondence I had. And I think that's like almost uh, cliche at this point when you think about like people say, oh, I never got to say goodbye. Like getting to say goodbye, like what do you mean? Like should you go through life uh, every time that you um, talk to somebody, be like, all right, well, in a case you don't die, if you don't, if you die within the next week, I, I need to say goodbye to you, you know? Um so it's very crazy, but it is crazy because like I, I, as this guy died and now those two people died and those, those guys were like a connection to a city that I, um, that I felt, um, connected to in like tangentially just through like an experience of life. And now both of my, both of those connections are gone. And so it's like, 
you think, oh, are you even connected? How are you even connected to places? Are you connected to places because you went to different stores in those places? Are you connected to places because you went to a vacation in a resort in the location of that place? Like, what connects you to a place? A lot of times it's people. People connect you to the place. And then if the people cease to exist, then like, what connection do you have to that place? And then it's like, all you have is the memory of the time where you were there in that place with the people. And then there's no real recourse. It's just like life is accepting what is over and over again. And it's like now things have changed and now things have changed another iteration of change and another layer of change. So yeah, it's just like now the dream of like the the dream like the it's like a dream that I had known these people and um you know like there's like it's just there's no um you know what like i th- i think i made uh like a comment cuz of course these people these guys were like loved by their community and when vince died uh it was a lot of people came out um you know not came out but like a lot of people were posting and like doing like like uh different things there and and like you think okay what's the purpose of of commenting on uh, someone eulogizing somebody. It's like, I always think like, I always think back to this experience I had when I was younger. So when I was 14 years old, I uh, I was in a play called Master Harold and the Boys. Some people may know this play because um, the film version of it was with a young Matthew Broderick and uh, Danny Glover. And it's about apartheid South Africa in the 50s, obviously. And then um, it's about like a kid who was raised by these two black guys who were his father's like servants, but his father was a drunk piece of shit. And um, so his idea of fatherhood were these two black guys, but the society around him also was like, hate these two guys. So his, his character conflict, like came through in the dichotomy between who his dad actually was and who these guys were and then who these guys were in the society. And it's a one-act play, and I got to be in it. Um, uh, I got to be in it, and uh, we actually competed against other plays in Long Island, and we actually won. Now, the director of our play was this, was this guy who was teacher from, from like the local high school, and... He was named Linlap, and he was kind of a like a, a successful director in in Long Island. Like uh, Steve Buscemi from Boardwalk Empire and a million other movies is from my hometown, and he dedicated his movie Trees Lounge to Linlap and this this director um, because uh, he was his like mentor when he was growing up. Anyway, the fall. After we had all competed um, and won uh, Theatricon uh, th- for this shit, uh, Lynn Lappin died. And I was like 15 years old. And I felt like, okay, this guy, had, like, he, he directed me in the show and he, like, it was like really, I felt like, oh, this person was like my mentor. And then when he died, of course, like, I felt 
I saw all these people, all these high school kids who like he was their English teacher, like all these people from like in my um not even my social circle, just like in general, come out and what I felt was a kind of one-upmanship where everyone was like, "Oh, I knew him and and I loved him the most." And then somebody else would come out and be like, "Well, I knew, I loved him more than that." And just like it was like an arms race of who needed to publicly prove that they were close to this person who died more than the other to show that they um, were, like, the biggest um, supporter of them. And then I was thinking, like, you know who doesn't, is not seeing this? Uh, Lynn Lappin. He's dead. He's not seeing all this shit where, like, everybody loves him so much and is trying to... And you know what? Now that I'm older, like, I... I don't like judge those people at the time when I was younger, I did. I was like, I don't feel at the time when I was younger, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm going to make a statement or anything or like try to like compete for, for how much this person meant to me or anything like that. I'm just going to like privately mourn and it is what it is. But uh, that's, you know, that's why like when I saw the stuff of, Vince, like, and all these people died. Like, I guess, like, now in my life, I'm trained, like, I've trained myself not to, like, it's not my thing to, like, um, make a big, uh, pub, like, a public showing when somebody dies for me. Um, but I did, like, write, like, a comment and being like, I was really happy. I was really lucky to know Vince. Uh, and I was lucky, lucky to know these, these guys. I didn't even, like, make an anecdote. I just was, like, said something small. Just because, like, you know, I don't know. That's, I guess, the way I feel about um, when somebody dies, guys. Uh, anyways, so that's what I had to say about that. Um, by the way, there's no uh, suggestions this week. I didn't ask for suggestions because, um, I don't know, I'm, I've been feeling... I've been feeling a little bit, uh, maybe I've been feeling in my feelings. I've heard that being in your feelings is a phrase popularized by the also Canadian musician Drake, who is, um, I believe, a Toronto rapper and actor who has come to some world acclaim through various rap songs that he has made with Lil Wayne. Anyway, uh, I have been feeling a bit, um, a bit in my feelings about, uh, about uh, promoting stuff in general with through Instagram and um, anyway. So yeah, I didn't put anything out. The reason is is that uh, everything I put online, uh, for some reason, uh, I don't know how. I don't know what I did. Um, I th I think I found out what I did. Uh, I was it was it was it was being myself. Being myself actually leads to very low engagement with uh, the world at large. It's a heartbreaking thing, but that's the truth. So what happened was, um, for whatever reason, everything I would put out, like if I asked for a suggestion or if I put out, if I'm not putting out grading animals episodes, um, which don't do necessarily, they do good, whatever. But everything else besides that, um, it gets uh, like less and less people see it. So I'm like, why bother 
even putting shit out if it's just going to be... So what happens is, from what I understand, if, if you put something out on Instagram now and it's not a reel, then it doesn't go out to anyone else besides a percentage of who follows you. And then if the people who see it don't like immediately like it, then the next thing that you put out gets like a third of that amount of people seeing it. And then it's like a multiplier effect. So it's like, um, what is that thing called? When you um, compound interest, it's compound interest, compound negative interest. So that's, yeah, compound negative interest is what happens. So after a while, I was just like, maybe I should just delete, maybe I should just delete this whole thing. Like it is literally pointless to, to continue to do that. So that's what that's the and and that's the reason I didn't put out uh asking questions of of the audience this week and it was because of of negative of my uh feeling about negative compound interest and that even if I did put stuff out then no one would see it anyway so ultimately who the fuck cares So um all right we are on the board for wallowing in my own stupid depressing bullshit that has nothing to do with anything. I'm really happy. I really want to give myself a couple more points for going from the actual sad thing about uh, someone I know dying, unpacking that, and then going right to like, I'm sad about Instagram. So that's pretty great. Thank you guys for sticking with the podcast. Uh, yes, my everything is can easily be attributed to being my fault. And we are back with J-Caps. Let me just fucking hit this thing a couple more times because let's just reset. You are listening to WJKAPS on, on the, in the afternoon in the morning. It's noon on a Monday. Cool. All right. So, you know what I always wanted to do? I always wanted to do a show called... Actually, I did do a show called this, and, I, and then I uh, also... Um, tied my wrists to chains and pulled the entire show down upon myself. But I had a show with my friends um, called Wikipedia After Dark. And I just loved the idea of Wikipedia After Dark. So we are going to um, go to Wikipedia and I'm just going to look randomly and see what the fuck happened um, on Wikipedia. Because... You know, may, I'm going to say we don't need a fucking suggestions. We don't need people to suggest things. Actually, we do. We do need people to suggest things. I, I take that back. I, I want. I, I do want suggestions. I just. Um, I just don't want to like. Uh, I just want like maybe. Um, I don't know what I want. I I don't know what I want. I think that just like I said earlier, the. Uh, you can ha- you can you can be of two minds when you do a creative thing. You can. Um, you can slowly uh, deteriorate into bitterness or you can continue a deluded hope for better things ahead. But one thing that is hard to do is to stop and say, hey, you know what? I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that, uh, that I can even do this at all. So I'm going to try to stick with that and we are going to get into... On today, January 24th, it is 
Mother's Day in Iran. And it's also the day of the unification of the Roman principalities uh, in Romania. What the fuck does all that mean? Let's just check it out really quick. Okay, so apparently in Romania, it's a day of the unification of the Romanian principalities. What does that mean? I think that it means that um, maybe there's like, maybe, you know what the thing is? Every place on earth has different names for towns. Like where I'm from, you could you could call it ta- towns, villages, um, then uh, hamlets, then also uh, to a large, a bigger, I guess a bunch of towns are called a county, right? But then other places aren't like that. I think other places call their towns principalities. And I guess that on the 24th of January in Romania, um, which, you know, is I, I get a little scared. I get a little scared because I think Romania and then I think of, um, is that where vampires are from? Like, is that, like, where is, is Romania, is Transylvania in Romania? That's one of the things that I've always wondered about. Um, I've always thought, like, uh, Transylvania has the sound of, of, of Romania. And also, there's a place called Moldova in, um, in Romania. So, I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've always think, like, okay, well, I'm scared of um, Romania because of, uh, because of the anti-Semitism but to a greater extent, the the um, the tr- uh, the uh, vampire, like uh, the vampire contingent. But you know, thing about it is, like, do vampires exist? And um, did the vampires come up with the term principalities? Is that like, do they call the towns their principalities because of, uh, because like, I don't know. It's like a dialect. It's like if you. Like, um, what is it? Like, if, like, is it's like translated like a, a, a hamlet becomes a principality. I don't know if that's a, a good principality in um, Moldovian principality. I, I assume that that's the way um, a Transylvanian vampire would say principality. And so then today is the day when all the principalities got together and unified. Anyway. I know that was uh very boring, very boring and unnecessary to even talk about why, you know, that's the problem. You know, the problem with Wikipedia is contains a lot of alleged knowledge. And then unfortunately, a lot of knowledge is boring. To know things is to squash the wonder from life. Let me ask you a question. What's more interesting? Um when let's say you have a little kid like a nephew, like he's a pre-verbal kid, right? And a plane flies overhead and the kid looks up at the plane and it's loud and it's like, it doesn't, you don't understand what is happening. And the kid looks up and he's like, just in awe of the sound and the concept that something is going across the sky. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything except for the experience of this thing, like some, some sensation, right? And then, what's more interesting, that or the fact that you tell the kid, that's a plane, see? Aeroplane, P-L-A-I-R-O, 
<laughs> A-E-R-O-I-A-O-L-E-P-I-L-A-I-N-E. Spell it. Spell it back to me. Aeroplane. And then the kid knows that it's an aeroplane for the rest of his life. It's like that's no longer that experience or that sensation, but it's the that's um that's an air aeroplane with a A-E-I-R-O-P-I-L-A-I-N-E. Aeroplane. Which is better? To know that as a fact that like it all of a sudden congeals in your mind as one thing, or to have an experience. That's why I say. Um, never teach your kids to read. I think that it's more interesting to have a completely illiterate populace who know things by sensation and sound. No, ab- absolutely. Unfortunately, that type of wonder for the for the world um, is fleeting because as our minds uh, mature, we we actually don't even have time for that sort of shit. There's only a a very few percentage of people that that have time for uh, to be in awe of the sensory world, and that and those people are um, those people are our sponsors, uh, Big Fentanyl. Who, if you want to just enjoy the world, zone out, and uh, be involved in the sensory enjoyment of life until you overdose and die, try fentanyl, America's favorite drug. Brought to you by Big Fentanyl. All right, cool. So let's take a look at the, maybe, what's more? So let me, let's go back to the front page of Wikipedia, see if anything else is, uh, is interesting. That what else happened on today? Oh, shit, dude. One of my favorite topics. Um, one of my f- favorite topics is uh, World War One. I. I don't know if you all motherfuckers know about this, um, but but I am a huge uh, fan of World War One. I. I love thinking about World War One. I. I love thinking about the way uh, the everything that we know of as as true today. Is was upside down and backwards in the days of World War One. Um, maybe people don't know about this, but I love talking about this shit. And I'll just go into a little, real simple, one, simple reasons why I am obsessed with World War One. So, in World War One, uh, a, a lot of countries that that went to war. Because remember, America didn't join the war until 1917, but the shit popped off in 1914. Okay, um, and it popped off for a couple of reasons. Uh, it popped off one because Europe hadn't had a war in like seventy years, so all the people who were of age were like had this big hard on to fight a war because they thought it was gonna fucking rule. They were like, "Man, you know what's noble and exciting to do? War. War is noble, and there's some." glory in it right um there was a the end also here's a thing that maybe people don't even know or get but back in that days there was no like uh there was kings there was a kings who ran most of europe like uh they were all like fucking related too but that's another story but the kings were the ones in charge so i don't know if y'all know about this but apparently when you have kings running your shit 
you don't really have the kind of uh, freedom of speech stuff that you have. Also, a hundred years ago, uh, or actually now a hundred and yeah, no, a hundred and seven years ago, um, people were closer. People who lived under king rule, who had never no shit about democracy or anything like that. People living under king rule, uh, they were closer to the to the concept that the kings were actually um, there because of a god. Because and and by the way, back in this is back in these days, people took religion like almost two or three times more seriously. Actually, no, probably three or four times more seriously than than they do now. They really, not only did they actually believe in God with a whole-souled naive, um, naiveness, but they there was something in their, like, uh, in the DNA of belief systems. For, like, right, I'm not saying that there was not, like, um, great writers and, like, people who were, had, like, who, who saw the irony of everything. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking about your regular old schmoes. Um, th- there were people who, like, in a whole-souled way, not only believed in God like it was a real-ass thing, but also believed in their king. Because on the one hand, you would get Gestapo-style disappeared if you talked shit about the king. I don't know if you know about that, but that's surreal. Um, but also, that like it was closer to a time where you like believed in your institutions because it was the it was like the royals, and like that was you know, the system of class between, like, the rich people who are, you know, uh, part of the king system and you pee on nobodies was, like, very distinct. So why I'm fascinated by World War One is that when it popped off, the powers that be were able to shovel, like, 20,000 people to their deaths a day like the amount of people who just went to their deaths because they were like, yeah, we're going, we got to support the, the, we got to go to war and we got to do this. And like, it was so like, um, not the way people are now. Like people don't believe in their institutions in our era. People proudly disbelieve in anything that is told to us by by like um, a greater, uh, you know, like somebody who's in charge. In fact, even the fact that Donald Trump became president was part of this th- like system of thought where we don't want people who act, we want to get an outsider. We just don't, we totally don't even trust the institutions so much that we want to get, we would rather have somebody who is not even related to the institutions that will be an outsider who is n- kind of not qualified but his non-qualification about being an outsider of the system feels better than you motherfuckers so that's like 107 years before like after um world war one where it's like all of the people were like yes king i can't wait to go to war and it was so what happened was in World War One, the, the powers that be kept shoveling all of their subjects into the trenches, the trenches being a fucking idiotic way of fighting a war. And then basically 20,000 people a day were dying for two years straight until what happened was 
people started to become disillusioned with it. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point, uh, the, their, the morale of the population was ground down to nothing. A lot of people say that the reason France pussied out and just gave up um, all its Jews to the Nazis was because a generation later in World War II, they didn't fucking want to fight the way they fought um, the way they fought in World War One, which was like valiantly and like giving their all. And it's like the society had just been disillusioned. They were like, yeah, the Nazis are going to roll on us anyway. So fucking who cares? Like almost, um, you know, what's that? What's that uh, author? Um, you know, the guy who wrote uh, the guy who wrote the cure song, The Stranger, Albert Camus, where he's just like nothing matters. It's like um, that whole shit, that whole like 15 year old uh, goth kid um attitude of existentialism of like uh you know like i'm so dark so anyways that's one of the reasons why i like world war one and then today uh in history um in the first world war uh some british fleet uh they beat um a german high seas fleet squadron in the north sea and sunk and they sunk your battleship so um uh, yes, let's uh, put a one on the board for the Brits, but also, sorry guys, listen. The what I'm gonna, what you're gonna find out in this podcast is the things that I actually am interested in and like to talk about might be boring and not interesting to you. So, again, like we're on this journey. Uh, I can only hope that my purest, uh, my purest form of expression is worthy of someone else's attention. And also, there was something that I started with in my creative life that maybe social media has fucked with. And that is my natural imprint in my soul to be like, fuck you, dudes. Like, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, and I'm going to enjoy what I want to talk about, and I don't give a shit about what the world wants to face fuck me with. Like, this is the difference. I talked to a friend who is actually um, a somewhat successful TikTok guy, and he's like, um, you know, when you make content, he's like, well, well, TikTok tells you what content to make based on what trending things are happening. And I'm like talking to him and I'm like, so you're saying like, fuck whatever your original thought is, just do what the, do what's trending and, and save your original thoughts for another time. And he's like, kind of, yeah, because you want to uh, capture the zeitgeist of whatever is trending. And that like goes against, where's that coming from? That goes against my whole like attitude about creativity. I'm just like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to pander. I actually want to do what I want to do. And I guess the trade-off is, yeah, well, if you want to do what you want to do, then expect less attention for it because nobody is interested in what you want to do unless it intersects with the zeitgeist in some way. So I don't know. So be it, I guess. Like, uh, when I think about grading animals, like I definitely started it with the intention that some people were interested in animals, and then maybe they would stay around for my 
irreverent and obscene sense of humor. Um, and I guess it worked in a way that I could uh, be proud of. So thank you all for, if, you know, if, if you're here because of that, uh, that's awesome. But now I guess I'm, I'm just trying to uh, stay afloat. And um, I don't really care about, I don't really care about, especially uh, just making content for TikTok is not interesting to me. Maybe like this is a real shooting myself in the face uh, moment. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm just like Robert Frost, uh, mentally insane from a tick bite and committed to doing the wrong thing as I travel down the path less trodden. All right, cool. You know, I wonder, I always wonder if, um, if uh, when I happen upon ending something in a weird poetic way, I'm like, what is that? What is that inside of me? I think it's the, it's like, uh, anyway. Um, so some people recently died. Uh, there was, uh, just let's talk about some people who've recently died. Not just, um, not just Vince Fontaine from Winnipeg, but a bunch more people died. Uh, most famously, this guy who was like a Zen guy just passed away. And to be honest, I've never known how to say his name. His name reads Thick Nat Han. And um, I know he's like a very, like the most Zen Buddhist guy of all time. Uh, he was a Vietnam, Vietnamese Zen guy, and he was a peace ad, advocate. And, um, and he also did, uh, he was very like inspired. He was very like, um, people, people love his book. In fact, he made a book called, I believe it was called, um, I don't know, something like, something that's like his name, like Thick Not Han or something like that. Let me see if I can find the name of his book. Maybe it wasn't a book. Maybe it was something else. I do know that this guy was loved. What was his main thing? Um, shit, dude, this is weird. I'm trying to figure out what his name was. So... This guy was um, like a Buddhist Zen guy, and I'm sure that you guys have heard of him, because if you know any people who are into like, like being a hippie Zen person, then this is like one of the books they have. Um, but fucking hey, dude, I'm trying to find out what his book was. Um, maybe he wasn't. A, maybe he didn't have a book. Oh no, he did have a book. Okay, so his na- his book was called um shit damn did he have a book or what the hell i don't know i guess he oh yeah he did have a book okay so <laughs> no we i i i don't know at the time of this at recording i don't know if thick nat han had a book but i will say this about the zen master um he did have a he did have a book okay he had a book called vietnam lotus in a sea of fire what a great name for a book. Lotus in a Sea of Fire. And um, and I don't know anything about that book, but I'm going to guess it's like uh, positive. He, he was interested in peace and deep ecology movements. That's something I can get behind. Um, I don't know. Can I get behind ecology? Yeah, I guess so, since, I'm, uh, since I believe in grading animals. Um, 
but you know i think also as humans as the as the surface virus called humans on the planet earth there is very little that we can honestly do to preserve ecology um if we don't realize that we are just a consuming bug that um as a species does not have a central nervous system and just are a spreading um a spreading form of slow uh chemical change on the earth like you know have you ever uh have you ever been in a science class and they take a piece of paper and they burn it in front of you and they're like uh by the way you dumbasses this is called a chemical change what's popping right here is you see this paper turning into ash that's a chemical change so humans are like that but very slow like a like like let's say it it takes like 5000 years but we are a chemical change on the planet slowly burning different resources and things chemical chemically changing them by like sh- eating and shitting out and like um having uh businesses that create plastics and basically all this this um you know, amuse bouche of different uh, type of chemical changes that interact with uh, what's on the planet. And we are transforming the planet into something else. So when we have deep ecology movements like what Thich Nhat Hanh was into, we have to also be like, um, yeah, that's true. But like, also, you like we as one one person can only uh influence themselves and the people around them and it's like i don't know can can you really change like 5000 years of um momentum of people living and expanding and uh like sort of a like what is it like kinetic and the kinetic energy of an entire species and also like who's to judge like we're the only planet that we know of that has uh life on the planet in a vast solar system that we've you know in our like chemical change of the planet we've also invented all these like scopes and shit to like explore the known world the known universe and nothing else that we have seen light years away in every direction has any life like the planet earth and yet what does that tell you? Does that tell you that like um that like this animality that we are like getting right now of like living on a planet that has earth that has life um we're like uh the one we are like the one we're like a lotus in a sea of fire. And um how long will that how long will that little uh little lotus get to last in um in this sea of fire will it eventually be consumed by the fire and then be just like all of the other planets in the universe uh which are dead and barren wastelands i don't know but you know what i think it is pretty cool that this guy had a he was like a very influential and positive person and i'm not going to talk shit about him i think that you know this is great you know um one of the things that i know about zen buddhisms is that they know zen masters know when they're going to die. Um, there, w- there was like a little, um, I think there's a, a Zen cone about it, but they know when they're going to die. I wonder if this guy knew when he was going to die. Let's see if he said anything cool. 
sometimes a Zen a Zen monk knows when he's gonna die and he says some cool shit. He says some like amazingly cool shit um at the at the end of his life. And it's like sick. It's like damn like you're like, damn, these guys rule. That that's the one thing about Zen Buddhists, they always have a cool zinger. That's the one thing. Zen Buddhists are, are probably more than all other type of spiritual people have cool fucking zingers. They have, they got bars, you know? Um, so what did he say? Uh, so he, did he say anything sick? What was his, what was his, let me just find some quotes. Um, thick Nat Han quotes. There we go. Let's fucking see what this guy's, let's see what this guy's quotes. Let's just, we're going to close this one out with some thick Nat Han quotes. Um, let's see what they got. He goes, he goes, walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. That's a nice one. That's a nice one. Um, walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. And all, and you know what you could also do? You can like, uh, get the bottom of your, your bare feet a little wet, and then you could really smooch the earth. You could even like give, give the earth a little tongue. Walk as if you're also, uh, Licking the pussy of the earth with your feet. That's that would be my addendum if I was going to workshop one of these. Okay, so another one he has is when another person makes you suffer, it's because he suffers deeply within himself, and this suffering is spilling over. He does not need punishment; he needs help. That's the message he is sending. So, um, that is the message. That's a really great thing that Thich Nhat Han just thought of, but. Too bad that our world um, doesn't really get that, and instead, um, we pretty much are like if you if we we live in a very fuck around and find out uh, society where it's like if you um, make someone suffer, then expect uh, that type of retaliation tenfold on you and everyone in the vicinity who is innocent but happens to. Um, but happens to, uh, you know, be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, next one is, sometimes your joy is the source of your smile, but sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy. All right, you know what? That was a good one. Okay, so that one is like, um, you know what? Maybe sometimes something makes you happy, but maybe if you're happy, then, I don't know, it's like one of those things where it's like they say, they say that you should stand in, um, like, every day you should, like, uh, smile, and that'll make your brain happy, even if you're not feeling happy, because you won't be able to have a, a bad feeling if you smile. Also, they say if you stand in, like, a superhero pose, then, like, for 10 seconds or something, then your, uh, your, your body is going to, like, be positive or something like that. All right. Anyways, listen, I am sorry. This was probably not that interesting also, but you know what? The The point of this podcast is to uh, is to just explore. It's an exploratory podcast. I got a very nice, a very nice comment from somebody. And I think this really sums it up. Uh, somebody who a, uh, a friend of mine who I um, who I really am appreciating uh, that they would listen to this show. Um, but he said, 
that what is I just got this comment. I'll read it to you. And um, yeah, he goes. Um, I don't know, man. What the fuck I'm talking about? Fucking a, dude. Anyway, I think the comment was, um, it's a really great podcast, really well produced, but I don't know that uh, it's gonna like lead to anything uh, good. But you know what? I'm just gonna say, thick not Han. Um, to be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to accept yourself. Um, thank you, Thick Not Han. You know what? We're going to get through this one together. And uh, I hope you guys out there also uh, can throw off the tyranny of uh, acceptance of social media and just do your own thing as well. Uh, I will be here uh you know, next week with another show. Maybe if you want to suggest a suggestion, I will do it. But you can just go right to Grading Animals and send me a DM or uh, go to my website, jcaps.com and fucking comment there or whatever. Just um, if you're listening, let me know that you're listening. Um, it's a lonely world out there. So um, what else can you say? Uh, talk to you later.